Hello and welcome to the Disney Animated Cannonball, a podcast where I, Talon Lee, he, him, uh, and me, that's Fox, she, her, watch all of the Disney Animated Canon, including this one. <laughs> <laughs> including the one you didn't know was part of the Disney Animated Canon. Yep, it's up there with Make My Music of, what, really? <laughs> Genre. Yes, we watched 2000's Dinosaur. So for those keeping score, this is the second Disney animated canon film in 2000. We did not think especially highly of the first one. How bad could it be? Um, well, what if we took the land before time uh, and made it really boring and everyone's ugly and no one has an interesting character design that would appeal to children? Hmm, tough sell. Let's see how well you do at it. But yes, before we can give this movie the kicking it so richly deserves, oops, I gave away what I think. <laughs> I need to do the plot in 60 seconds. Oh no, I? is it my turn? No. It's your turn? Oh good, because nothing fucking happens in this. It's going to be real hard. Yeah, I. Uh, it, it, it's not going to be an easy one. Well, count me in. Sure. Ready, go. Aladar, an iguanodon raised by lemurs, lives a normal fish-out-of-water life on an island until a meteor impact fucks up his home and he escapes to the mainland to find a new place to make a new life. They fall in with a big communal herd under the leadership of an iguanodon named Kron, heading to the nesting grounds, and he has all these giant flashing bad guy signs all over him. They are pursued by Carnotaurs, the herd winds up splitting, Aladar recruits a bunch of the ones who will be left behind, and they find their own way. Kron's lieutenant has a really moving arc where he like gets messed up by Carnotaurs and decides to help them and gives his life to save them, and they wind up finding their route to the valley. There's a darkest hour, then our heroes catch it back up with the herd and show them a better way forward, but not until, like, the worst confrontation I've seen in one of these movies ever. <laughs> we finally fade out as we learn about, yes, dinosaurs are all going to die, but at least someone remembers that they lived, and the sex monkey had sex. Mm, thank goodness the sex monkey got lucky at the end. Yeah, I don't know the times on that one, but I also don't care. No, I couldn't be. Do you have a pre-existing relationship to this movie, Fox? Well, I have seen it before. I did not bother to see this in cinemas at the time, because it looked very boring. Really? And I did not see it until I picked it up on VHS for $2 at a second-hand shop about... Mm, what did you say it was? 2000? Yeah. About 10 years later. Ah, so the, the Cashies collection. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, well, like Criterion, but for crap. This is like no <laughs> brand local cash converters that everyone still calls cash converters. Yeah. Anything in a double take? Uh, this movie has no properties I didn't notice the first time because it has no properties. It's very dull. This is a surprisingly bland unit of movie. <laughs> it is, right? It's a... I'm sure it was a technical marvel for when it was made, because this is extremely, uh, look at us, we can do realistic CG for the time. I mean, you know, it's as good as the CG in, like, Lord of the Rings or whatever that also didn't age spectacularly well. Just want to remind you, this movie is four years after Jurassic Park. Sure, sure. And it is... A year after the BBC's Walking with Dinosaurs. <laughs> anyway, 
I don't have any pre-existing relationship to this movie. I don't have a double take. This is all my first impressions and all my immediate reactions. <laughs> oh, goody. But you do have a pre-existing relationship with dinosaurs being the coolest things. Uh, yes, I am a dinosaur nerd. I'm one of those people. I try to keep a lid on it and generally don't annoy people with it. I'm not an actual qualified paleontologist or paleohistory expert. But thanks to my background in the cult, where dinosaurs are weaponized against children to convince them of complete bullshit, um, usually by anti-vaxxers, frauds, and hucksters, I have a very strong interest in dinosaurs on a casual level. So, uh, effectively, I am more expert than a lot of people who position themselves as experts, but also honest enough to tell you that <laughs> I'm not an expert. You're kind of like I am for animation. Like, mm. you know a bunch of this stuff, but you that's because you are an enthusiast. Yes. That said, the next segment would be the Yikes store or product of its time. Big shrug? Well, okay, so um, I want to put an asterisk here because, like, there's obviously a lot of dinosaur-related stuff that I'm just pushing that off to later in the podcast. Oh, I, I do have a Yikes, actually. Um, I am uncomfortable uh, with the degree to which this movie uh, separates creatures who are all logically the same sort of creature into people, dogs, and monsters. Yes. Like, there are very clear, like, everyone here's a dinosaur, presumably all the villains and stuff the uh, are, are also dinosaurs. sentient speaking creatures, but mm-hmm. some of them are evil, and some of them are weird dogs. Yep. Uh, Earl is a weird dog. Um, the Carnotaurs do not have voices. The Velociraptors do not have voices. Uh, the Parasophiluses and Struthiomimuses are all, like, included in the herd, but they don't get any voice lines, so, you know. But, yeah. They're allowed to be in the herd, so we presume they're at the same kind of level. Yeah, and Earlies. they are communicated with like they are parts of the herd, so they are assuming... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the herd are people who are convinced to do what they are doing. There's no instinct to do this behavior. Well, I mean, that's what you get when you make all your animals into people. Yes. Um, there's a bunch of extremely off-the-shelf stock early aughts hetero nonsense. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Um, it's, it's not remarkably bad, but it's just also not remarkable. No, it's just the usual kind of, like, it's assumed our main character immediately has a sexual interest in the only female of a species he's ever encountered. Yeah. And vice versa. Um, why did we even have a sex monkey? I don't feel like we needed to put a sex monkey in this movie. There's but, always one fucking character in these serious Disney movies who's like, so you were supposed to be the fun one, huh? Yeah. You were supposed to be the comedy relief. They should have shown me more of the weird dog Ankylosaurus, man. Yeah. That guy was fun. Yeah. And we know that they had the voice actor on call. <laughs> I take it that's our Frank Welker appearance. That's our Frank movie. Welker. That, that's, we got welked. <laughs> I was gonna say, what did he voice in this? Because it's not like there's any, like, it's not like any of the animals are animals. Oh, wait, except the one who is. The one who's a dog, it's Frank Welker. Hi, Frank. Also, as far as product of its time goes, um, the actual explosion of the meteor hitting the, you know, making Planetfall, um, that's actually, like, a reasonably coherent representation of what extremely large explosions in atmosphere are like. Oh, really? I was curious about that, because it was like they were doing an entire, like, you know, massive meteor shower instead of a single impact, which... Mm. Well, so I mean, is that it, just, it, like, what happens when it breaks apart? We, we, we can talk more about that later, to be more specific about the meteor impact, but just to talk about the explosion, 
Like the fact that it looks like a nuclear explosion, that's a function of just how hot nuclear explosions get. Any explosion of sufficient heat and size will look like a nuke. It's not, that's how nukes go, it's that's how really big explosions in atmospheres go. Okay. And the fact that you have this explosion, and all you see is the unfolding light and smoke, and then there is a pressure wave, and a secondary pressure wave coming off that, that wrecks everything it rolls over. Like, the fact that it brought fire with it, like, that's that's weird, it doesn't need to do that. <laughs> uh, these pressure waves are kind of, like, it's kind of hard to represent just how these pressure waves work. I think that was mostly uh, implied to be the chunks that were flaming when mm-hmm. they came in. Yeah, because one, one of the things about these pressure waves is that it's compressed air moving extremely fast. It is hot. Uh, we have footage from the Trinity... Uh, sorry, we, we have footage oh, from the... Nuclear test. Yeah, we have footage from the very first nuclear tests of light posts, you know, the kind that are sunk into the ground, like telephone poles of wood. Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, steaming as the pressure wave hits, you know, pressure wave approaches them because uh, the heat from the pressure wave is taking all the water that remains in that wood, even the stuff that's like deep in the <laughs> core, boils it out of it and it vaporizes out. Then the pressure wave hits them and they turn into matchsticks. Um, and like, all right, that sounds a lot like what we saw here. This is this is one of the things about these nuclear weapons, like you're in an atmosphere. Just the force of detonating it is enough to do this immense damage to everything that you would consider even vaguely fragile. And by fragile, we mean, like, trees and buildings. So, like, really quite a good representation of it, especially with the two waves of sound. Like, that's very... Someone someone did their research. Nice job. <laughs> and there wasn't a Kirkusacht video around to, you know, crib notes off like I did. Yes, well, they were very into how realistic this was at the time. Like, they I remember really, that was really the, the marketing really pushed that. And I assume there's a lot of live footage here of um, of the scenery and whatnot. You're right! Like, the, the characters are very obviously animated, but the scenery is absurdly realistic to the point where I, it's, it's got to be photography. Do, do you have anything more here in the Yikes door? Or do we slam it shut real quick <laughs> and bolt on over to the animation and making? Because I've got some shit. Yeah, no, I, I th- there's very little that's yikesy in this film. Uh, there's definitely of its time, and then there's you should have known better even for of its time. Uh, but, you know, broadly speaking, I don't know, this is not a film that needs a disclaimer before you watch it with uh, with with polite company. Yeah, like... Polite kids or whatever. Oh, wait, except that we see, like, sentient creatures get fucking murdered in the first uh, yeah, good opening point. minutes. All right, maybe not really, little kids. It definitely has a land before time, this'll toughen them up kind of early murder. <laughs> Land Before Time is more sentimental about mm. its murders. And it, and it builds up a lot. Anyway, um, so, slamming the door real quick, jogging across the quad, over to the animation section. Hello! So, Fox, do you know anything about the animation regarding <laughs> this movie? Very little. I mean, I just told you mm-hmm. what I, I infer from watching it, and what I remember from the marketing. Because it was all just, like, None of this was about what this film actually was. It was all just hype for the, like, you know, oh, how amazing and realistic it looked. And by amazing and realistic, much like the live-action remakes, they mean everyone looks incredibly boring and has <laughs> very little in the way of, like, humanizing traits. I guess your lemurs are kind of cute. Like, uh, they have facial expressions, at least. The they, dinosaurs yeah. can barely even make faces other than angry. Yeah. It's not good, especially when you're trying to do the romance subplot with them then. Mm. Do you know anything about the name 
dream quest images. No. Okay. Sounds incredibly like what you'd find on a like a PlayStation 1 game. Mm-hmm. No. Qu- PlayStation 2. <laughs> dream quest images were a VFX team. Oh, yeah. Who were purchased outright by Disney <laughs> to create the secret yeah. lab. That explains a lot. I was going to say, actually, the one thing, uh, the, the one other remark I would make on the animation of this without knowing uh, is that, boy, are there no familiar names in this. Like, every animator at Disney whose name you know, every writer, every every staff name you know from Disney is not here. Yes. This is clearly uh, an entirely independently made Disney-branded thing. So if they just fucking bought themselves a studio to make it, that explains why. They bought a studio, turned it into the secret lab, with the <laughs> idea that this was going to be a place where they did all these interesting experiments. Uh-huh. Now, Fox, for all of the clams, oh, trivia-wise, yeah. can you think of, can you name any other secret lab productions? <laughs> um... Okay, it's got to be the other early Disney 3D that Pixar wasn't involved in. So, um, what was that? That's um, Meet the Robinsons. What else? They had some really super unmemorable ones. Oh, Chicken Little? That was Disney, wasn't it? Okay. Um, uh, They did one fucking horrible, like, Madagascar-y The Wild? Was that Disney? Was The Wild Disney? So those are your three guesses. Meet the Robinsons... Chicken Little in the Wild. Oh no, I only had three guesses. Okay, and we're going to circle back to that one later. Oh no! <laughs> the uh, live-action video was recorded by a group called Vision Crew Unlimited, and the whole thing was built out of a render farm that Disney built in a building they purchased from Lockheed Martin. Ooh. So, yeah, like... <laughs> On one hand, taking assets from Lockheed Martin can only be a good thing. On the other hand, giving money to Lockheed Martin could only be a bad thing. Especially in the year 2000! Uh, this was in 1996. Okay, so this was a little bit before Lockheed Martin were famously evil. Yeah, this was when they were still Lockheed. This is when they were secretly evil. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, this movie is cursed, right? Th- this movie was built <laughs> on a place of dishonor. <laughs> That's what the explosions are about. Uh, the... Much fuss was made of what the Secret Lab was developing because at first they were developing tools for making things mm-hmm. rather than necessarily making things on their own. Is this uh, a scenario where we would recognize their tools better than what they produced? Like, did they make the, the vine technology from Tarzan or any nope. of that shit? Nope, nope, they were siloed off from traditional animation. Ah, okay. They were not to be trusted over there. Uh, so they released three tools, which were used in making this movie. Fur tool, bodybuilder, and mugshot. I knew there was going to be fur tools involved. Like, not... I, di- I didn't know that was the name, but the hair on the limbs had to be one of their big things. Mm, sure it has three it. modes, one of which is grass. <laughs> <laughs> grass is just nature's hair. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> to be fair, like, that is tech you have to develop. Uh, fa- well. mug- mugshot was facial cap, mouth syncing um, from one, you know, human entity. Mm-hmm. Like, you had to do it. Someone had to make the first versions of this. And- I mean, you didn't really, but... It certainly made things easier. Yeah, especially for production at the scale of Disney, especially if you had ambitious ideas like things like, say, re-lip syncing for the redub in other languages. See, that's... I agree that that has some benefit, particularly in ease of production and flexibility. What it lacks is any kind of 
character. It's like doing all your animation with mocap. It's mm-hmm. all right. It's valid, but it sure as shit doesn't have any personality. Mm. Did the they mo- get like really good actors to really sell it? Really do facial acting to go with their performances? Not so much. I. I... No one in this film is doing a particularly bad job, by the way. I'm not going to diss on these voice actors. Yeah. It's perfectly competent. The voice talent also feels a little siloed. Like, you, no one... There are three voice actors in this I bothered to take any notes on because everyone else is just workhorse TV actor who's yeah. done a bunch of adult crime shows you wouldn't recognize <laughs> or a bunch of stuff in the 70s you don't care about. Yeah, it's, like I said, this is all competent. It's not interesting. The live-action photography for the backgrounds, however, went places. It went to California, Florida, Hawaii, Australia, Jordan, Venezuela, and Samoa. They filmed over 240,000 <laughs> meters of film for the live-action shots of this film, and it included the creation of a amazing-sounding toy. Like, you you and I, ultimately, in a past life, we were friends with film crew people, right? And sound crew people. <laughs> in a past life. I still know a couple. Yeah, true. And, like, you're in a roadie, you're still there. But, <laughs> like... You learn how to roll a mic cable, it never goes away. Exactly. And, and we know people who care about cameras. We do, yes, we certainly do. So, Neil Crepola invented for the internal cave shots, <clears throat> where they were going to need to be perspective shots of looking at the thing up high, Dino Cam, a camera suspended <laughs> on a cable <laughs> 22 meters off the ground. Oh, that's fun. The computer controlled camera allowed for pan and tilt on 360 degrees and could move up to 48 kilometers an hour over 300 meters. This thing was done for cave shots of, like, the Brachiosaurus, where they were, like, sliding around, to treat a figure that big as if it was both there and as if it was moving naturally the way that you would follow a normal person walking. I, I said this movie is boring, and I stand by that. But it's not unimpressive to have put together a movie where you got that kind of photography for stuff where, like, by design, you've not got any characters to put in it yet. Yeah. Like, the fact that it does, that it's not filled with a bunch of really fucking awkward cinematography is, is very much to its credit. I, you know what, I'm, I'm giving the, like, director of photography full credit here. This rig, the dino cam, was made with multiple towers of reinforced metal. <laughs> it had wheels, it had a trolley, wow. it had a track. <laughs> And I cannot find a single fucking picture of it. And Aww. I want to find one so badly. Oh, do you want it to have like a curving neck? Uh, like an actual dinosaur just because, you know it wouldn't, but it would look so delightful. This is going to look like some horrifying Mad Max construction. These yeah, two definitely. gantry towers tilting off away from <laughs> each other on one of those trestle carts that you see people pumping up and down on train tracks in an old timey movie. I, I have no doubt that whatever this thing was, it was probably ugly as sin. Because it had to be as strong as it possibly could be. Because it was suspending a 2000s era live action film camera 22 meters off the ground. If that thing falls. (laughs) I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like one of those suspension bridge sim builder games. Yes. When you put someone like me in it, who's like, 
I don't know anything about bridges, but I'm pretty sure if you put a towel here and a towel there, and then you just put elastic between them. <laughs> put a lot of zigzags. <laughs> Do a lot of zigzags, it'll be right. It's like shoelaces. <laughs> but, like, the, those are not small cameras. Those cameras are <laughs> oh, really God. big and heavy, and it needed to have the spool up there with it. So if this thing fell, if this thing, like, you had to have, like, a radius around this thing of, like, yeah, no one's standing close to the tower, because what if something well, falls off it? True. 22 meters die. is not a small distance! That's also just a hideously expensive camera. Oh, God, yeah. Like, I just imagine the insurance stub for this is a multi-page contract. <laughs> Anyway, that's the most interesting thing I could come up with about the making of the movie. <laughs> so what we're saying is at this point, we have Disney movie where the live action production is significantly more interesting than any other aspect of the film. Mm. That's a bad sign. And to be fair, I was genuinely impressed to learn that there was live action footage in this movie. Like, uh, you know, once I knew it was there and I started looking for it, I could tell. Ah. But the integration with the CG and the live action uh, footage for the background was good enough that I assumed, oh, this is just Disney being really, really good at background <laughs> art at this point, not that's actual ah, treats. So, you know, that'll get you, because you've got to remember the other kinds of 3D movies that were coming out at this point. Mm. They were not that good at that no. sort of scenery yet. Or rather, no, they weren't that realistic at scenery yet, and therefore they chose to do scenery that didn't need to be realistic, because it's not interesting anyway. And like, that's the problem with this. It would have been a lot more <laughs> interesting if they had modeled all the scenery and shit. Mm -hmm. But whatever. I mean, the first time you see water for me is what what makes you go, oh, right, that's right. This is this is photography, isn't it? It's not like... Yeah. Either they wouldn't have water. Like, fucking Finding Nemo doesn't have water that looks that realistic. <laughs> and that's still like 10 years away from yeah. this. So yeah, it's uh, it's a quick reminder. Uh, as long as you can keep other things to compare to in yet. That's all I got for the animation and visual making. Got some voice stuff if you want. Yeah, yeah, why not? I mentioned that there were three voice actors who I could bother to mention. Aside from Frank Welker or including no, Frank No, that's Welker? including Frank the Dog Welker. Okay, alright, we've got two more then. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Suri, the lemur, is voiced by a young Hayden Panettiere. Oh, she's uh, she's from Heroes, isn't she? That's the place you and I yeah. would know her most, yeah. She has had like a very successful career since then, and I think she's actually settled into the hallmark who gives a shit oh, part no. of her career. Yeah, I guess she was kind of tuned to that. She's definitely in that like pretty and competent but not interesting camp, mm. which is exactly what this movie is doing. She so. did a college humor skit which opened with, Hi, I'm Hayden Panettiere, and I know I'm hot enough to keep your attention for exactly 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Which is a pretty good gag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kron. Kron is uh, voiced. Yes, our dickhead villain. By Sebastian the Crab, a previous dickhead villain. Whoa! Yeah, huh. I would not have picked that. Yeah, it's neat. And uh, that's literally it. The rest of the voice talent. Again, this is not to slam on anyone. It's just that they are all people who don't overlap or intersect with anything else that Fox would have as a reference pool or almost any other Disney property. I will ask this question. I feel like there may have been more people of color in this than almost all the other Disney's we've watched so far. There are, well, yeah, well, I mean, setting aside um, Mulan. Oh, yes. But. I, I said almost all. Like, we've commented on a few in the past where it's yeah. like, oh, they didn't completely whitewash this. That's fucking nice for a change. Yeah, but the voice talent for this did feature, like, four prominent black actresses. That's probably. Setting aside Hercules, where all the muses have voices. That's probably the most black people who've done voices in a Disney film up until this point. Yeah. That's 
really sad. Now, what might annoy you is that three of those black women voiced tired mother figures. <laughs> there are a lot of tired mums in this fucking movie, aren't there? Yep. And boy, do they not do anything except give our hero pep talks. The, uh, the Styracosaurus, the, the tired old Styracosaurus whose name has already escaped my head, uh, she's voiced by the, the iconic black lady from Touched by an Angel. Uh, something I have not seen. Yeah, I'm but... sure the listener will uh, will recognize and identify. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that Clay and Corey will come for me if it turns out that she is a treasure and I have not given her enough respect. I just, she did a great job. She yep. I, I she was probably the most enjoyable uh, personality to listen to in this. Mm. Um, yeah. But you know you can only work so hard with the material you have, and the material for this is dry and boring, and is doing nothing and saying nothing. Pretty much. Well, that's not true. I mean, it's trying very hard to to be sort of inspirational and uplifting and whatnot. It's just doing a really bad job because it's like super basic. It's like baby's first inspirational story, and the reason we know that is because the Land Before Time came out like fourteen years before this. Yeah. This was 2000, and the Land Before Time was the mid-80s, so yeah, about 14 years. Was it mid-80s, or was it very early 90s? Oh, something around there. We're going to say it is definitely no less than 10 years. Yep. But that's all I have for our standard segments. Are you braced to dive into dinosaur talk? (laughs) So, are dinosaurs going to be the main topic of this? Uh, Because I was also curious to see how you would feel about this in light of Boy, is this that one Christian story being told again. <laughs> well, I mean, Disney only has the one Protestant Christian story. <laughs> They're not exactly a deep storytelling well. The, like, what this story wants to be about is if we care enough about one another, we can save everyone. Except the bad people who will conveniently wind up sacrificing themselves in order that we can save everyone else. Yeah, well... Uh, you, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to be quiet for a lot of this, because I ain't no dinosaur expert. <laughs> Just drag these dinos. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, Talon, drag these dinos. Um, so, first up, a thing that, like, deserves special mention, uh, feathered dinosaurs. The actual fossils that helped codify the scientific consensus about feathered dinosaurs, which includes all modern birds, hadn't been discovered yet. So... Like, they get a free pass on that. The, the, that birds evolved out of dinosaurs was known, uh, outside of a few extremely fringe weirdos who still today argue that they're not. Um, but broadly speaking, that was known. But the fact that feathers were widespread and common across dinosaurs wasn't. <laughs> weirdos who think birds did not evolve out of dinosaurs, otherwise known as fuckers who'd never seen a kookaburra. Well, yeah. Uh, there's there's actually a group of like five supposed paleontologists who have in fact formed like a group to 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 uh, reject the Bird Deniers League. Well, it's it's birds are not dinosaurs, and they have a badge, and it's got band on it. B A N D. It's embarrassing. That is embarrassing. Uh, none of these dinosaurs were contemporary to one another. I thought that might be a big one. And Talimas, like, are they even oh, God, remotely no. close? Like. I'm sure those weren't actual, like, today lemurs, but, like, mm. even two ancestral primates, I assume. Oh, God, no. 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 Uh, so, obviously, because the timescale is just completely held, 
you can't really do anything about like what should be showing up. The fact that you have uh, um, Iguanodon from the early Cretaceous alongside Brachiosaurus from the late Jurassic, which is just before the big extinction event, um, and Styracosaurus, which is from the late Cretaceous, which is another period further back. The overall stretch of time here represented by these three species alone is about 110 million years. So our long neck actually belongs in these events, and uh, no one else does. Well, I mean, if if this is meant to be the actual KT extinction event, which... One assumes. W- one assumes, but also the director has said that it's not meant to be. Really? Okay. Yeah, which is also weird and messed up. Yeah, I don't want to... I'm not going to tell them how to do their job, except in this case where I am, because like, there's only one dinosaur apocalypse event. Everyone knows what it is. And if you put a massive meteor uh, event in your dinosaur movie, everyone is going to read it as being that. There's no... No one's going to be like, oh, I wonder if it's the real one, though. Uh-huh. Um, Oviraptor, which is shown in the opening, they probably didn't steal eggs. Are they the ones that are probably just like baby tyrannosaurs, or are they real? Nah, they're, they're a real thing of their own, okay. though they might not be separated from Struthiomimus, which show up later. Uh, the thing with Oviraptor is we had all these fossils of them being shown with eggs, and we were like, ah, oh, they must have been stealing eggs, as opposed to roosting on eggs. Didn't you assume they laid eggs? That's weird. Well, it, it's positions that didn't make sense until after you had feathers. Ah, okay. Because, like, why would a dinosaur be, you know, spreading its arms around eggs? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, God, they thought they stole them because they were holding them like the... Oh. Yeah. Whereas now, if you know that they had fur on them, and they were eat the rhapsid, they absolutely were going to be the things that became birds. Uh, because of that, like, once you know they have feathers, all those positions just look like roosting. So we should have called the we called them egg eaters, and we should have called them good parents dinosaurs. Yeah, egg thieves even. Egg thieves. Raptor isn't thief. Though. Yeah, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's that's why uh, the thing that turned out to be a baby T Rex, Raptor X, the coolest name, the king of thieves. All right, fine. Yeah, yeah. but because it's diminutive, it's not uh, it's not Raptor space Rex. <laughs> it's Raptor X. It's one word that makes it the diminutive, which means prince of thieves. Ooh. Which is cool! Shame you're not real. Yep, sorry. And that Almost means, made it. And that name is now burnt. It can't be used. Ah. Which is a bummer. Um, obviously, lemurs are right out, as earlier mentioned. Um, the meaningful relevance of Iguanodon. Um, this is a really special one. Iguanodon is a like very culturally important dinosaur in the conversation about dinosaurs. Uh, it was the second dinosaur ever named in 1825. The word dinosaur was coined by Richard Owen in 1841. <laughs> Iguanodon predate the idea of mm. dinosaurs in our historical classification. That's pretty cool. Um, it's the one where the thumb was found and they thought, oh, this is a tooth. Oh, no, it's not a tooth. It's a horn. Oh, no, it's not a horn. It's a thumb. Ah. And that's really weird because I'm used to seeing the thumb of Iguanodon being played up in a lot of stuff. But yeah, quite quite sedate about that. I mean, they did sort of use them like hands sometimes, mm-hmm. and they they tended to, like, ball them into a fist a lot, which is, I guess, one of the only humanizing fucking movements they had for these creatures. Yep. Uh, while you are already aware that the time scale is completely fucked, don't worry, so's the geography. <laughs> well, if some of it's from Australia and some of it's from fucking... Uh, Hawaii. Well, Hawaii's, I mean... It's definitely closer than, than uh, the rest of America at last check. Mm, that's fair. Uh, but we saw when the Iguanodon uh, broached into um, the mainland, it was immediately attacked by Velociraptors. Kind of. Are those uh, raptors? Kind of. 
big asterisk there. Um, Iguanodon is like the European dinosaur. It has had fossils found in Spain, France, and Germany. Like it is a European dinosaur. Velociraptors are American dinosaurs, right? No, but well, okay, kind of. Uh, Velociraptor is northern China across the bridge into uh, Canada and Alberta. So, like, yeah, as if, as if Alberta is a separate country to Canada. Well, Alberta <laughs> likes to think so. Hey, that's an Alberta burn. I know that your big, um, big shieldy faced dinosaurs are usually of the Chinese persuasion. The like, Ceratops. Stegosauruses. And, uh, oh, uh, sorry, yes. not Stegosauruses. Uh, uh, Triceratops. The... Protoceratops. The ones that have that big fucking shield for a face. Styracosaurus. Styracosaurus, that... thank you. Yep. Um, yeah, Ceratopsids, mostly lower mainland China. Though, again, not always. There are some of them in California, but you got to remember the continents weren't in the same spots as they are right now. That's true. And some of them were, you know, stuffed together. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing with the... Uh, um, I assume there are no Australian dinosaurs because we we're already fucking gone at that point. I... We had we actually have a bunch of dinosaurs. Um, hey. in, in fact, the largest... Get this. Here, here we go. Bonus unrelated to anything of this movie stuff. The largest fossil basin in the world of just... There is a ton of fossils here, and if you dig down, you're going to find fossils, and we're going to have to catalog them. Is in Queensland, and it's a basin known as the Aromanga Basin. I know this one. Yeah, it's also one of the hottest places in the world where people live twenty four hours a day. People are really thirsty in Aromanga. Anyway, boo boo. Uh, the Velociraptors that attacked were very much like your classic movie Velociraptor, which is to say the scale is also completely fucked. Uh, now, see, I can't agree with that. They're very much not movie Velociraptors, because they got that weird, long, beaky face which movie raptors don't get after Jurassic Park. They look way more like little Tyrannosaurus. Well, yeah. Skinnier and meaner. Well, the, the Jurassic Park Velociraptor was a Jurassic Park Denonychus, but uh, you know... <laughs> But yeah, like, that's what I'm saying. They're, they're definitely not movie velociraptors, because movie velociraptor is heavily based on one movie in particular. Yeah. Um, the scale, again, is completely messed up. Um, for perspective, an iguanodon is roughly comparable in size to an elephant. They have their tail jut out, supported by their hips, straight out the back, right? Yeah. So that tail actually has, like, a shelf underneath it kind of space, where, where like... The tail doesn't touch the ground oh, right, right. while they're in okay, walking yeah, position. Yeah. Um, a human adult can stand under that tail, okay? Oh, okay, that's... Oh, right, they're like an elephant and their hips are way the fuck up there, like yes. level with their back. Yeah, yeah they have okay. straight back, head almost level with their hips as they walk. A velociraptor is comparable in size to a chicken. A chicken? A chicken. They don't like German Shepherd-sized. I mean... See, when people were making fun of Jurassic Park for their inaccurate velociraptors... What they would bring up is that Velociraptors are only about as big as a German Shepherd. You could... And I don't know if the understanding of that has changed, or if it's... Or if you're mistaken. I thought the, the chicken ones were like Compsognathus. Compsognathus, yeah, that's an even smaller one. Um, so, to, to, uh, to answer the German Shepherd thing, let's say you take a box and you draw it around a German Shepherd with the tail down, alright? You could fit a Velociraptor probably in that box. With its tail down? No. Because Velociraptors had a long, stiff tail that, again, didn't Yeah, that's what, like, it's more than half their body length, I would think. Yeah. So the body, like, saying comparable to a chicken, definitely bigger than a chicken, but also, like, if a chicken and a Velociraptor stood next to each other, well, you'd lose the chicken in pretty short order, I think. But, you know, I don't know. 
Uh, it's very strange to suddenly think of them as not being the size of a dog, but being the size of dinner. <laughs> yeah, true. And, and like, you know, I'm sure that you, a dog expert, would be much more able to look at the scales and go, oh, okay, no, I see, you know, where that break point is. For me, the fact that they just use a chicken on the diagram for scale of a velociraptor is just helpful for me. All right, all right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, velociraptors are small. Um, <laughs> the Carnotaur, which, it's I, a real dinosaur. I was astonished to find they were real. I was sure this is just that to make a demon version of a T-Rex. It's, it's a real... even got their fucking little horns and shit in these designs. Yes, and those horns are, like, that's, that is one of those horns. legit things. Um, the Carnotaurs, I would actually say, aside from the fact that they are clearly a bestial species and they're not, like, you know, a, a sentient creature the way that all the other dinosaurs are, Aside from that, they did a surprisingly good job with them, including the little froggy arms. They did give them the stupid arms. So, like, with a T-Rex, a T-Rex does have little arms that are almost, like, out from the body, like, in a, in a pose that you can look at and go, oh, that's an elbow. Like, Do they not also turn in? I seem to recall this they can being a thing. They, they could hook them up against their body. No, no, I mean the wrists are pivoted to be in. Oh, yes, yes, their wrists are pivoted in. Yeah, like a pangolin. Yeah. But a Carnotaur had these little... Froggy arms that by default didn't have that like outside el- outward elbow thing, but instead just like pressed flat against their chest. <laughs> so it looked like they were always resting their hands on their, as it were, belly. Carnotaurs uh, were. Oh, wow. So they were vestigial at that point. That's that's a completely useless form. They seem to be pretty useless. We can't obviously be certain with observed behavior, but sure. those sure as shit look like they're on the way out. Carnotaurs um, and T Rex, like T Rex is the point of comparison for most people on this stuff. Carnotaurs were smaller like, significantly smaller, and the area where they're not... Uh, so, so like, a Carnotaur in general is, like, say, 80% of the size of a T-Rex. But also, when it comes to this kind of animal, head size is really important to how dangerous you are. Sure. And a Carnotaur's head is about a third of the size so of a T-Rex's head. So you your teeth. Yeah. Uh, what Carnotaurs had was, like, a super muscular neck and torso and upper legs. Which is why uh, a lot of a lot of paleontologists think that this means that they spent a lot of their time fighting, if not other carnotaurs, things that were closely related to carnotaurs, uh. Uh, because all of those values are things that make you better at both handling being attacked and attacking in the same way. So it's one of those interesting things where, like, they were probably like, don't get me wrong, they were absolutely, almost certainly vicious hunters and perfectly good at this stuff. But yeah, uh, they're also about the same size as an iguanodon. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, so they were exaggerated for this. Yeah. But like otherwise the proportions you describe sound pretty yeah. accurate, to be honest. Like it's for even with the thick neck and everything. They were pretty spot on. They did a good job and they didn't give them like a huge like T T Rex heads ultimately are like a <laughs> giant, giant noggins, don't they? Yeah. yeah. Giant pair of scissors. Like the whole thing is just designed so the pressure can just go crunch down on something. Whereas this it had a much more of like, this is my head and I have a jaw and the jaw swings down. So, like, they did a really good job with the Carnotaurs. Um, uh, they're from South America. <laughs> so, you know. And, um... <sighs> Brachiosauruses were not going to be scared of Carnotaurs. A, bra- a Carnotaur could run underneath a Brachiosaur without touching it. I assumed we have a bit of a scale problem going on there. Yeah, it's yeah. completely fucked. Jeez, <laughs> I mean, there's no possible way one of those things outruns a massive predator. No. So if they were successful, and I understand they were, then the only solution is that they have to be too big to be worth the bother. 
like like a bunch of wolves trying to take on a whale or something. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah, you're terrifying predators, but this is not practical for you. There is also an element of when it comes to um, evolutionary traits. If something, if, if, if an animal develops something and then you can find a related animal that does it even more so, that's a really good sign <laughs> that it's a successful evolutionary adaptation. And at the time the movie was made, Brachiosaurus was kind of like one of the established biggest dinosaurs that we can definitely say existed. There were two others in the records that people were like, hey, what about this? Because we're pretty sure this is a thing, which was Seismosaurus and Ultrasaurus. Uh, right, right. And there was a... Oh, no, it might be a big predator one. Argentinosaurus? Well, that's the one that was discovered five years later. Ah, okay. Uh, Argentinosaurus is, like, significantly bigger than Brachiosaurus. It is quite possible that Argentinosaurus is the, is the largest land animal that ever lived. <clears throat> Don't tell me. Is that one from South America? Yes, it is. Um, yeah, Argentinosaurus was just prodigiously enormous. Um, we have a leg. <laughs> um, there's a there's a beautiful photo of two of the research assistants who helped uncover the leg lying down in the hole they got it out of. <laughs> side so, by side or end to end? End to end. Nice. Now again, you had to get a bit of both ends. There's a little extra ground. <laughs> Oh, that definitely brings it down. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it, just just enormous, enormous creature. Um, and this is this is a thing that um, animals in general can't meaningfully damage things that are particularly larger than them without significant like structural options. The like being pack hunters. Yes, uh, a good example of this is hippos. Largely, most animals comparable <gasps> size to hippos don't try and hunt hippos. Does anything prey on hippos naturally? Not Other than baby of. hippos? Yeah. <laughs> like, I've seen a grown hippo fuck up a baby hippo for no fucking reason because hippos are assholes. Yeah, but... territorial in the worst way. Uh, yeah, but like, I don't, even like crocodiles do not bother with hippos. Lions do not bother hippos. Hippo's skin, taken off the hippo, weighs about a ton. Hippos just have a super thick hide. Which, it's not worth the effort. Yeah. That's exactly it. A, a hyena would eat a dead hippo, but it would do that by going in via the mouth. <laughs> right? Like, the, the, there is no... Gross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is no practical way for most of the predators you see in this movie to engage with a brachiosaur. And the second the brachiosaur notices them, even though it is big and it is slow... All it has to do is make contact and you are crushed. So, like, they picked the Brachiosaur and they made her a gentle old lady and they wanted to use her for that story beat, but just not even vaguely close to the to the scope of these terrifying size monsters. Which is my general issue with most of the oddball crew characters mm -hmm. in that they are obviously more capable than than our main character but he's young yeah and like i don't care if she's an elderly lady or not the fact that you had to shrink her down to like let's charitably say half size yeah so she could need him to save her is a bit shit yeah just pick a different dinosaur would it have been that hard and in that same uh, vein of like you know this is clearly being done for the purposes of the story there is a way that the bodies of these animals are used that is a, this is a very common problem for animators and i i mean no disrespect to the craft it's all hard i i appreciate that but when animators are called upon to treat the body of an animal 
as an agent in the world, they almost always default to the metaphor of how a human would. So animals will often try to scrabble at things or pick things up with their four legs, even if those legs are not for this. And there's a sequence in this movie where the Brachiosaur wants to get through a big pile of rocks, which she does by leaning back. That's a weird bad shot, wasn't it? Yeah, and punching into it with her forelegs, as opposed to what a real animal with that kind of bulk would probably do. Because, like, obviously, when humans want to represent this stuff, what animal are we thinking of usually? Well, I think of a dog. Yeah, and dogs dig with their front legs. That's the thing, though. They were, I don't think they were defaulting in that case because our main character, the Iguanodon, tries to do the same thing. And he shoulders it. Yeah. And we see him use his hands like hands in other places in this movie because they got that funky hand foot thing going on. Yeah, which but is cool. here, when he's trying to exert force, he just tries to ram this thing with the majority of his body. Mm-hmm. And yet, when they have the brachiosaurus to her big moment where she finally you know utilizes her own strength because he's convinced her she still has a purpose that's a weird fucking note that's not what happened in this movie at all not even slightly not even a little bit no um but they it's not even like she puts her force into it like when she comes down she just sort of stomps on the ground yeah from where she she reared back from so i wonder if that's actually a shot where they couldn't get a good enough shot of the interior mm-hmm. uh, of that cave and they just worked with what they had because otherwise like the whole effect of that force is is to look like nothing and it's supposed to be the moment that she shows we can all break through and, and we have in nature an example of an animal that isn't a dog trying to get through this kind of barrier like mooses and shit even better eh? wombats <laughs> okay uh I just before you go into this, I feel like it's unfair to compare a wombat to a brachiosaurus. Because a wombat is one of nature's few creatures with zero neck. <laughs> it is just a stump with legs. It's true. But we know that animals will employ the trunk of their body if that's where their strength is concentrated. So not everyone has had this wonderful sight that I have of watching a wombat knock over a two meter pile of firewood (laughs) that you had spent all afternoon getting into position, but they will hunk it down next to it. (laughs) They will put their weight on it and then they will just push one pair of legs out until the whole force just barrels through it. And I just feel like having seen a wombat do that, having seen wombats shove Mm. with their body, the idea that the Brachiosaurus would go, whack 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 with its hands because they were using them like they were hands is just so weird when an actual brachiosaurus confronted with that would probably just go hmm i'm gonna lean on that and see if it falls over see when i've seen wombats try to exert force they just go head first that straight line like just <laughs> the idea of a wombat breaking something is i just push against this with my face until it goes away yeah there's that too because like, they can brace downward yeah yeah like obviously she's not gonna do that because the, the neck has got to be the weak point on this dinosaur, right? There's nothing else fragile about it. Yeah. But, like, they have them use their tail slap in in other places in this movie. Like, when they fight the, the Carnotaurs, they do a lot of tail stuff and they do a lot of shoulder charges. Like, mostly they use their bodies, like, not even like dogs. Surprising lack of dogs in this movie, except for the one who's a dog. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, that shot, not, uh, is very strange. I don't like it. Also, we basically never get to see our Triceratops lady use her Triceratops' bits. 
And she's that's... a Styracosaurus, for what little that's worth. Oh, sorry, Styracosaurus lady uses her Styracosaurus bits. Yeah. And that's so disappointing. Yeah. Like, she... Look at that arsenal, man! We know that their necks were all, like, compacted layers of vertebrae. These things could charge. I mean, of course they can! Their face is a shield! Their face is a shield, and they have... A, like, she had a broken horn. She would move things like a wombat. But do you know what happens... When a rhino has a broken horn. Grows another one? No, it just doesn't care. It will still mess you up with a broken horn. I mean, uh, it's... We have this habit of drawing horns sharp. Yeah. In animation. (laughs) And they're not. No. Because they don't need to be. No. Blunt is just fine. The puncture wound will probably be worse. Have you ever used a hole punch? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And one final note. Now that I'm, you know, I've got my dinosauring out. But one final note. Uh? There is a member of this herd who should give zero fucks about every problem they have. Who would not be afraid of the carnotaurs, who wouldn't be particularly bothered by the water scarcity because they live in deserts and also wouldn't need, uh, a, like, babysitting on the journey, no matter what was coming at them. Is this our dog? This is Earl. Yay! Earl's, Earl's an ankylosaur. Well, I mean, for that matter, Earl isn't particularly bothered by anything True. that's going on. Earl is, I guess it's a little yikesy because Earl is treated as being a person, but a person with the intellect of a dog. So, like, yeah. I don't want to dive into that metaphor too deeply because um, the the use of that is kind of questionable. Mm. But uh, Earl is, is chill for the most part. Uh, it's not even implied that he necessarily couldn't hang out with the rest of the herd. It's just kind of that he's dumb like a dog, so he maybe doesn't understand the urgency or something, but Earl seems to be mostly here to help out these people as well. Earl is our true hero. There are a bunch of fossils in the valley, and I'm afraid I'm not going to try and pronounce the Chinese for it, but there's a valley in China which has a large quantity of ankylosaur uh, remains and fossils, and also related species, and I just remember this beautiful photo of a cross-section of the rock where it's a mid-sized mid-asian uh therapsid predator think like a t-rex or a tabrosaur or something like that uh and its hip is just powdered Ooh, and like that's almost certainly <laughs> you gotta thagamize it <laughs> that, that, that almost certainly is not just one point of impact but it's really telling that you've got this dinosaur where all of the structures have been preserved so nicely, and you've got the lower leg preserved so nicely, and whatever happened to the hip is terrible. And it just, like, you know... That's probably why it wound up as a fossil. Yeah, and because, like, at that point, it's a bag of meat that probably fell into some swamp water or something like that, got submerged, got covered, and the only part of it that wasn't there to get turned into fossil was the powdered chips of hip. (sighs) Hypothetically. It's just... It's just a really cool kind of thing that ankylosaurs were... When, when you're a little kid and you see dinosaurs and, like, you see dinosaurs as toys and you see them as represented in books and whatnot, you get fictions in your head and many of them are kind of disappointing when you know differently. But it seems that all the records we have and all the information we can glean is that ankylosaurs landed very squarely in an evolutionary niche that said, <laughs> be tough. Take no shit, and they were really fucking good at it. Be the toughest little nugget you can be. Yeah, you don't have to be big, though, don't get me wrong, they were all about the size of a VW bus. I, 
Hang on. Is a VW bus different from a normal bus? Uh, think like a minivan. Okay. Like a combi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I like them even more now. I, and Ankylosaurs are already my favorite dinosaur. <laughs> I, so, have I shown you my admiration so far for necklace tank animals? <laughs> and we're back to wombats. <laughs> There's other stuff in the movie that if I wanted to pick nits, but like, it's not worth it. It's just an excuse to talk about cool things about dinosaurs. I mean, if this was more cartoony, none of this would be a huge yeah. bother. It's only because... They made such a point of it being so realistic and so special and so lifelike and whatever. Like, at that point, you start picking nits yeah. because they've opened that door. I'm not I'm not going to talk about the Flintstones or, uh, what is it, Pixar's <laughs> The Good Dinosaur? Uh, good, yeah, Good Dinosaur. Yeah, I'm not going to pick with those because, like, those aren't those animals. Those aren't the animals that they say that they are. But there's such a, a weird devotion to accurate information on one level, and then complete disregard for it on another. And it's so strange. They'd not use the, like, artful sidestepping of that, like in Land Before Time, for example, where they yeah. knew they weren't going to do accurate dinosaurs. And so they gave them more froofy names that were like, okay, this is like, this is what you'd call this if you're a little kid naming dinosaurs or some shit. Like, this is a weird abstract idea of dinosaurs, whereas this is the exact opposite. Yep. I mean, the fact that you could talk about the main characters as being iguanodons, because I didn't know that. Mm. I You have to know what iguanodons are to know that, apparently. And, and I don't recall them ever saying it in the movie. And it is so detailed. It is so specific about the ways that they are, they are iguanodons. They have the profile. There, There is a, a set of very influential uh, painted illustrations, uh, which I got in a reference book at the local library in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Just beautiful photographs, not photographs, beautiful paintings that had a, a, a sort of photorealism to them, a very sincere effort to represent these things in a true way. Uh, and I think that it gave every one of my generation and a little earlier uh, brainworms about dinosaurs because that's how we just like, oh, that, that that's how dinosaurs look. Let's get the reference document to make sure we got them looking right. And it's, it's the same thing. It's the iguanodon is in here. <laughs> it even has like period appropriate like mistakes like they refer to the dinosaurs as being cold-blooded they do yeah which i mean they they wouldn't be now like we'd know better than that but also like i'm not gonna go back to 1999 and start hollering at a wannabe paleontologist who got to direct his dream movie about dinosaurs that's a kind of a double meaning yes it's a cold-blooded monster is something you could say about a human without meaning they're literally cold-blooded yeah yeah you know oh uh, and one final tiny thing of, as far as wasted opportunities, at the time it was regarded as probable that Parasophilus, the ones with the crest, uh, they probably used that crest to generate sound. Ooh. It was believed at the time that those family of duck-billed dinosaurs with crests, which include Carothiosaurus and Troodon, uh, probably used that as like a big horn. It was a very well accepted kind of like, well, that's probably what that's for. We don't know if that's true anymore. We, we really don't have any reason to know if that's true or not. Wait, wait, to, to pass like sinus cavity air through? Like to blow through? Yeah. Oh my God. And like, it would have been really cool if when they all did the bellow, <laughs> the parasophiluses, the smaller parasophiluses in the herd <laughs> had just had like monstrously huge bellows. That would have been really cool. But uh, they didn't do that and that's okay. Just little head farts. That was a dumb scene anyway. It was such a bad scene like yeah definitely the only reason that big predator dinosaurs were able to take prey is because the prey never you know banded together and just yelled at them 
it's like I said earlier that they needed to be convinced mm. to behave like a herd as opposed to herding instincts being instinctual behavior, which you know that just tells you right there. And it's <laughs> join a union. <laughs> I mean, I like that, but the like it's very unconvincing in this movie because oh, yeah. there's no possible fucking way you believe that the this ravenous predator, which assume is is uh, well, actually, you know, they're eating pretty well, aren't they? We see them, yeah. They probably don't even need to hunt again at that point. No, I, I had a note about the predator-prey cycle of carnivores, yeah. and I thought, no. That's, that's really fucked up. That's in the weeds. Put that one away, Talon. No <laughs> one's going to bring that up. But yeah, like, pred- big predatory animals don't hunt 24-7. The idea that they back off for this tiny little herd suddenly standing up to them is like, okay, that's a really, like, human bullying narrative kind of thing and it's not even in true in the case of human bullies yeah let me just tell you it's not a human bully it's an inhuman bully no you've made a point the carnotaurs don't have character yeah i don't know it's very this whole movie is a fucking mess in terms of story you uh wanna wanna get out of here and head over to whatever land oh yeah yeah let's uh let's escape the meteor of having to treat this movie seriously Swim, flee to the mainland of whatever land. Alright, my notes. As is. Most of these lemurs are really ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of cute. Maybe it's just because I'm comparing them to the one they deliberately designed to look like a pre-tube dog toy. Yeah, the the sex monkey? Yeah. The sex monkey, yeah. 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 (laughs) Everyone needs to leave this fucking dinosaur alone. Uh... In, in terms of sex, you know, since yeah. we're talking about the sex monkey, like, I, I get it. He's lonely. There are no other dinosaurs on the island. But as soon as a girl one appears, they're like, eh, 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 eh. You know, the selfless motivations you have where you're noble and you care about everyone. You don't want to leave anyone behind. Don't you also want to fuck the girl? Eh, 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 eh. Mom, leave me alone. Who, who brought this up? We're, 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 we're dying of thirst. I would really have... I have other priorities right now. And we must also assume she's desperate as fuck, because, like, it, they, she sees him for, like, 15 seconds before she's unprovoked into him. Yeah. Ah. And she calls him charming the literal first time they talk. Ah, it's, it's really bad. And, like, char- okay, he's being noble from the very first moment he joins the herd. Good. So I can see why you might take notice of that. But that's not what charming is for. Charming is for, I have a sense of your personality. There's a, a warmth to you that, you know, might be a little bit quirky or whatever, but is very endearing. And she's not got that. She, They've not spoken to each other. No. You can't tell if someone is charming or not if you've not at least seen them be human for a bit. Or an iguanodon. Or iguanodonian. <laughs> ah, I hate it. Yes, go ahead. Stories about choice and fate are a lot more reasonable when we're talking about humans with jobs and shit. Not so much about survival predation scenarios. Yeah, I mean, the the core problems of this movie are definitely you made your animals into humans once again. This always comes up. You you see, the brachiosaurs become the grass. (laughs) Your fate isn't to die here to save the rest of the herd. Your fate is to die one scene later. Save, save our small group of main characters in particular. Which will save the rest of the herd. So I guess you're right, but... <laughs> uh, don't love it. I don't love it. Boy, does this movie like showing people die. Like, yeah. 
It's kind of hardcore. Like, there are a lot of incidental deaths of people we know, and in some cases have even heard talk. Uh, like, the the scout who goes with, oh, what's his face? Cronkadonk. The, the lieutenant. Yeah. Big Bruiser fella. Br- Brutor. Brutar? Something like that. He's got a fucking Transformers name. Man. Yeah. Uh, the scout he takes with him just gets fucking horror movie swiped by one of the Nakanators. It's just like, oh, oh, fuck, I was talking to that guy three seconds ago. <laughs> what happened to Frank? This is really brutal. I, I didn't bother to check the rating on this, but this feels like it would have gotten a higher rating than a normal Disney movie. And if not, then I guess the classification board also noticed that these didn't have human traits and weren't likable characters? Well, look, since you brought it up, and, 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 like, you know, I'm allowed. Now, you brought up the Transformers. Oh, no. In the Transformers movie... Yeah, but they have robots. That's different. <laughs> but the classification board was like, well, it's not violence against a human. It's less severe. So we'll give you a G rating. But, like, I feel like if you did violence against dogs in a Disney movie... Probably, yeah. But, that, like, if you saw a dog get eaten by an orca or something... Or shot on by screen, its owner. They would not be like, that's not a big deal then. Hmm. Okay. Uh, you get a discretion shot for Old Yeller, I'll say that. Okay, well, good to know. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, you went. I didn't see any flowers, and that's right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we didn't see a lot of greenery overall. No. On the other hand, I bet flowers do predate lemurs. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because, like, shit, I remember that part of the reason that things started evolving big eyes, uh, like big primate eyes in particular was to better see colour, and the point of seeing colour is you could take advantage of the plants, which were using colour to signal to insects. Yes. Instead of reptiles, well, instead of dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's no reason that, that they, the primates would come first, is there? Hmm, how interesting. Yep. I remembered some uh, some biology stuff, I'm quite proud of that. Yep, and just, just you know, no dinosaur ever saw a flower. And it just so <laughs> happens that they got that right here. That still sounds like the saddest koan, doesn't it? <laughs> Oof! The shitty slow-mo's back! Did you see it? It's 3D! Why, why do you have shitty slow-mo? I don't understand. I'm like, you're rendering this frame by frame. You could definitely have just filled out the frame count for this. Like, yes, it would have taken some extra rendering power, but you literally bought a company and a render farm for this. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sure you could have done it, not shitty slow-mo. I don't oh. get it. I really don't get it. It's really bad. It reminds me, this, this is not praise, it reminds me of the slow-mo in the Animorphs. No, it's very not praise. <laughs> I suppose we can chalk up another Disney death, because even though there was a lot of pretty violent fighting in this, we still ultimately have our villain die from a fall. Mm-hmm. Can you believe they went back to save Croc? Yes. And I yeah, think... no, I mean, it's the right thing to do, but... And I appreciate it. I really appreciate yeah. it. As much as this movie doesn't have character, I do appreciate that twice we see Aladar presented with a very reasonable, no, you need to focus on the greater grouping of people and let the person who is willing to fight, let them take care of themselves and let them die. Twice. He's like, no, I will even try for that. Aladar is uh, at least consistent in his morality. Yeah. Um, and, you know, no, he's not bad. He's just super boring. Yep. He's right about everything all the time and, and has no real conflict going on. He's just... And they, they, they give him, like, this crisis of faith where where they find the cave blocked up and he's like, no, I'm really mad now. And, and tries to go, but it's, it's like for three seconds and he gets told off by his nana for it. Yeah. 
look, I don't want to run down Alador too much because I know full well that if he was hot, I would think that he was like a really good himbo character. <laughs> because yeah, sure, he can be oh, just strong and good and nice, and kids like him. He doesn't necessarily want to have kids, but he's good at babysitting. Like, like I'd be fine with that. It's just in this case, he's also really boring in every other way. Yeah, he just needs like five percent more personality. Like, just just turn up his having a personality dial just a bit. Have have him pout when Kron walks off. Have him talk shit at Kron's back or something. Just something. Have yeah. him joke with his brother about it. Then you wouldn't need the sex monkey there to do it for him. Mm. Badly. Anyway. Ooh, speaking of which, I'm really super pissed off at the second time he talks to his love interest, whose name I can't remember because she, boy, if he is boring in personality in this, my god, is she double that. She's nothing. Mm-hmm. Really frustrating. Yet she does one meaningful thing in the movie, which is stand up to her brother for his sake. But it's like, it's done and it's over kind of thing. It's like, he doesn't even, he's trying to kill Aladar, but he won't hit a girl kind of thing. It's very, mm. just like, oh, really? Mm. Which, Jeez. incidentally, yeah. breaks us back down to a classic problem of misogyny in writing, where women are defined by what they are and men are defined by what they do. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, whoops, little, little, uh, you know, pin on the pe- pegboard there of like this is a vast spreading problem and once you start noticing it you never stop noticing it yeah 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 uh but uh d- 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 the point i was going to get to when i brought her up again uh is that the second time they speak uh is after his horrible lima brother uh you know whistled and catcalled and was shitty to her in an effort to get her to pay attention to him and he like makes a reference to that sort of jokingly and she apologizes. Oh, fuck off. For calling him a jerk for doing that. That is so shitty. Yep. There's your, there's your yikes door. The thing that we both just glossed over. She apologizes for calling him a jerk for sexually harassing her. No! Bad! Wrong! Bad movie! Well, while we're talking about things that are bad and wrong, would you like to talk about capitalism? <laughs> I dread to go into this territory. Like, I feel like this probably did land pretty well, despite being incredibly boring, and I don't want that to be the case. Alright, do you think the budget went up or down after Tarzan? Can we even compare them? Like, this is a completely different company, different studio, different request. They're doing live-action filming, for fuck's sake. Well, this is when we're going to start getting a nasty little uh, um, set of fairy wings as, it, as, <laughs> as the tutorial demon hovers around us and says, you know, those numbers they say about budget, those yeah. are bullshit, right? I mean, are we counting the cost of buying the fucking studio? Oh no, she's picked it counting the, the cost of buying the equipment? I don't know. If we're figuring in all that, then yeah, surely the budget the has had to have gone up. <laughs> stated budget by Disney for this movie uh-huh. is $126 million, which is $3 million down from Tarzan. Oh my god expensive Tarzan was. Ta- look, Tarzan, the living canvas they had to develop. Yeah, yep. well, once again, yeah, that's taking uh, tool development costs into account, isn't it? So. Yeah, and given that that tool sounds to me now, today, like fucking witchcraft, <laughs> the like it's clearly been worth it. I thought about that after we did the recording, and I think I've actually seen a demonstration of this. I want to know more, and we will find out more off the mic. Um, what do you reckon the take? Do you reckon it made more or less than Tarzan? <laughs> um you know what hearing that budget i'm actually now inclined to say maybe it's one of those loss on paper type movies 
and and they were like, oh, oh no, oh no, I didn't make any money, oh no, we don't have to give bonuses to anyone or anything. See, or... this is it, you're noticing that whole thing about that demon going, all these budgets are bullshit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I did know that they're bullshit, but we're we're uh, accepting that as, as the price of admission for playing our stupid little guessing game here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, more or less than Tarzan. What did Tarzan make again? Remind me. Four hundred and fifty million. Tarzan was being less, less for sure. You're right. It made three hundred and fifty mil. This was a hundred mil down mm. from Tarzan. It's not enough less. So it wasn't a failure even on paper. No, no. It Which sort of fact, fulfills my original expectations that it did better than it deserved. In fact, on paper, it's two hundred percent profit. Which is disappointing compared to Tarzan. Critical reception. Naff. They all th- they thought exactly what I thought. It was technically interesting and incredibly dull. My favorite quote I could find in all of the people giving it like solid three out of four, seven out of ten was Todd McCarthy. Somewhere around halfway through, you begin to get used to the film's pictorial wondrousness, and you take it for granted even, <laughs> and then you start to realize that these characters and story are exceedingly mundane, unsurprising, and pre-programmed. Told it. <laughs> so, way back when. During the animation and making, I asked you what you thought happened to Secret oh, yes. Lab. And I named the other uh, uh, rough puberty Disney 3D movies, mm-hmm. which are mostly part of the canon as well. We're going to have to watch Meet the Robinsons and Bolt and shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this killed Secret Lab wholesale. They never made another Damn! Film. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. They started work on a movie called Wildfire, uh-huh. which was cancelled two months later. Hmm. Two months after the release, or two months after they finished working on Dinosaur? They finished working on Dinosaur. Oh. They started working on Wildfire. During that time, Dinosaur came out. They got their first month of receipts, and Disney cancelled Wildfire. Okay, so it was, it was in response to the reception. Disney officially marked this movie as a loss because portions of this movie's cost that weren't considered part of the budget were buying the movie studio in question. Ah! They doubled... They cheated! Yeah! I... That's what I said! And then they... Well, box office I don't know receipts. if I was lied to by you or just by Disney. Then. Disney. Well, box office receipts, that's a publicly known thing. Yeah. That's absolutely a thing. So, when they say, we made $349 million, it's like, well, yeah, because we could check with all the box office people that reported that. But... <laughs> but the figure you told me for the costs may have been a little bit of misleading. Disney's claim is that Disney Animation spent $126 million on the movie Dinosaur, which is ignoring what must be at least $240 million in setup costs of buying a company and turning it into um, the Secret Lab. That makes sense. There is a long-form article about the entire history of the Secret Lab, which I'm not just going to read onto the record here, but it is... It, it's, it's fucked. It's fucked up. Disney basically bought a company, de- demanded that it poop out a Lion King and when it didn't do that (laughs) that's the sound when you lift the toilet lid (laughs) lifting up a baby iguanodon anyway um, and then we do a pee joke they tried to make basically they tried to make a studio to make a 3D version of the Lion King out of nowhere and when it didn't manage to completely smash it out of the park instantly, they folded the whole thing up. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, crucially giving it none of their fucking writing talent, which no matter how good Lion King looked, 
Mm-hmm. The reason that people like The Lion King is because of who is because of the writing. There's a lot of things because of the with. story and the characters. Yeah, because we know what happens to their visually marvelous movies that don't have a story. Do we do Fantasia and Fantasia 2000? <laughs> but the the other thing is they sold the company, the secret lab, to another company. I think it's called Tracheon or something like that. Uh for small enough sums of money that it was upsetting. Like, I can't remember if it was like $22 million or not. It was quite a small amount of money. And that company then limped on into 2010 or so doing VFX for other movies. So if you've ever heard of a movie called Reign of Fire, which is like no. Liam Neeson versus the dragons with a machine gun. <clears throat> I haven't. Uh, yeah, well, you, you... Sounds vaguely interesting and garbage. You're completely correct on all fronts there. They did VFX for that kind of thing, and then they just shuffled. And, like, this is this is really tragic. It's like, yeah. as, as much as this movie is forgettable, whatever, uh, the production is not... Like, these the people who paid the price are the people who did good. Yeah. <laughs> they did the best they could with what they had, and we have an extensive history of all the things that were tried and almost done and almost committed to in this movie. And every single one of them is a tragedy that we didn't get it because they are all way more interesting. Ooh, okay. You definitely have to to spell these out for me. And I want to see if any of them matches my final note card here. Because there's one thing I would have wished for this movie, which was probably never, ever a realistic possibility. But it definitely could be on this list of of stuff they might have had the guts to do. The very first idea, the very first thing they were going to do was no dialogue. She's got it written on the card. (laughs) If they had just made this like a straight nature movie. Yeah. Like the beginning, like all the sequences that you could sense that movie existing inside it. And then everyone starts talking and you're like, oh. Mm." Give me a 90 minute long Rites of Spring. Could have been kind of amazing. Yeah, and and they tried it, and they they had arguments about it. The movie never committed to that. Um, there was similarly also one of the big ideas was to do this whole thing as just like a day in the life of the world and showing like different organisms uh-huh. from different you know uh, different so not strata. strictly having characters and a narrative. Uh, like even more, even more day in the life than like Bambi and shit. A collection of short stories where they didn't know each other, but like different competing groups of dinosaurs in the same general area, having their same general interaction with each other in a sort of abstract way. Uh, but also being able to talk and doing a whole bunch of different short stories in this space where like, you know, one of them was going to do a rap or something. And then at the end of the movie, the last shot is the meteor coming down. I mean, I probably wouldn't have done that because that's a real fucking downer. It's but... an immense downer. But imagine, <laughs> imagine the courage. It's true. It's true. And uh, if they had done it more like a nature documentary, that would have had the extremely, I think, valuable effect of putting it out of competition with Disney's normal stuff. Yeah. Like, if if that had been understood that that's what it was, people wouldn't have expected it to be the Lion King. No. Because, like, obviously it's not going to be that. This is, you know, this is a more high-concept kind of piece. This might even be, like, an educational thing for the kids. Yeah, and that idea is extremely novel, and I, I can definitely understand why they wouldn't do it, and I don't think that they should have done it, necessarily. 
I don't love the short stories one. I do love the dialogueless, yeah, uh, doco style one. I would have loved to see that movie. And from thereafter, the versions of the story that we could have gotten are just a lot more, um, lot more character specific. Like there was originally an idea that Kron and Aladar were meant to be siblings, um, and there were uh, versions of like, like Aladar is the first one to imagine, hey, what if we bring all these herding animals together and we accept people outside of the herd. And, like, there, there are a bunch of... Basically, there are a bunch of just more interesting versions of this story, even once you get past those two huge, high-concept ideas. I feel like the lemurs were probably a late addition to all of this. Don't know. Like, uh, not even so much because they don't belong, but I feel like they are what somebody went, all right, we need something a lot cuter and more marketable in this. Uh, we need some, like, fucking fuzzy mammal things in here. Yeah. <laughs> Work on it. And, yeah, so that, that is the story of the dinosaur we did not get. Sounds more interesting than the dinosaur we did get, which is, I mean, I, I really feel like the studio deserved better. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, this movie did not. It's, it's about as respected as it deserves to be. Which is a real, genuine, tragic shame, because we're talking about Disney, Disney spent $126 million, they claim, and got $350 million, they claim, and still went... This isn't worth all of these people's yeah. time and work and labor and all of that stuff. This isn't worth it. Which is just a, a, a mortifying thought. Ima- imagine if something you did returned double its effort back in value and your boss was like, yeah, but you aren't worth it. <laughs> that fucking sucks. I mean, certainly for an artistic work, which struggles to uh, to get those kinds of numbers like, manufacturing okay well that's like that's a tiny profit margin if we're talking about uh about making physical goods stuff, or yeah. something like that yeah but like when we're talking about making an artistic uh making media then uh that you know anybody should be happy with that but yeah corporations don't operate on a scale of money that uh is realistic to the rest of us poor human beings. It also represented something that a lot of people are acting as if Disney started doing it last year, which is Disney deciding we want to be good at something. We ah. are just going to buy a business that is good at that. Yeah. And it started with these times where they acquired companies like Dream Lab, and then they wound up getting Pixar, and then it got really wild as they bought Star Wars and Jim Henson and Marvel. And all of these things that we see now of like, oh, wow, where did this empire come from? It came from back then. And it came from never not stopping wanting to be an empire. I assume their intention was always to fully own Pixar as well. And yeah. only Pixar's outrageous success stopped that from happening. Mm. And in, in all seriousness, if they had gone with either of the more interesting versions, even if it was just as boring a movie as it is now, it would be super freaking interesting. It would serve as a really daring, high-water mark. Wow, what a novel idea. What an interesting idea. What a courageous idea. As opposed to what we got here, which is technically impressive middle-of-the-road sludge. It is one of the most forgettable things on the animated canon list. Yeah. It's, it's not even upsettingly bad, so it sticks in your memory like some of the early shit we watched. It's just bad. It's... <laughs> indicative of this new era of Disney that we're moving into in many ways. <laughs> it's true, but I do think that the searing highs of this season are going to be worth it. But then again, 
I value the highs this season pretty well. I'm trying to remember the highs of this season. Hey, Fox, what's the next movie? <laughs> oh, do you know what? I I don't think I remember what the next movie is. It, let's see, we've done the one... We're not at Lilo and Stitch time, are we? We want a third Disney movie in the year 2000? Christ, they really <laughs> did just pump them out, didn't they? Well, I mean, Fantasia wasn't real, and this was some other studio they bought so they could put Disney's name on it. Yeah. Well, so, you want the real Disney animated canon feature for this year? Uh... Like I said, I value the highs of this season a lot higher than you do. <laughs> you know what? I'll say this. It's at least interesting. So what is it? What's next? Oh, did I not say it already? Ah, uh, you'd, uh, well, let's keep it a secret then. Pull the lever! <laughs>